Turn me to the book of Philippians, chapter 4. We've been going through a series on meeting God in familiar places, and we want to talk this morning about God's peace. And Philippians 4 is a chapter quoted by many of us. I want to look at verses 4 through 9 this morning as we discuss His peace. I'll ask you when you find that text to stand in God's honor. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever's true, whatever's noble, whatever's right, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever's admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. Let's pray. Lord, uh, we just bow our hearts before you, Lord. We admit that often peace eludes us, but you are peace, Lord. And I just pray this morning, as this message unfolds, Holy Spirit, we invite you to speak and prepare our hearts that we might hear what you want us to hear, Lord. Um, God, I, I don't claim to be much, but I claim to be yours, and that's enough. So, Lord, I, I just pray that we hear from you. In your name we ask these things. Amen. In Isaiah 61, Isaiah written 700 years before Jesus walked this earth. We read these words. Uh, Isaiah 61, I just want to read the first three verses. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, to release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of His splendor. <laughs> I love that, to be called oaks of righteousness. That's, that's how God sees us. That's who we're to be. Now, turn over to Luke chapter 4. Beginning at verse 14, it says, Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread through the whole countryside. He taught in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. 
He went to Nazareth where he had been brought up, and on the Sabbath day he went in the synagogue, as was his custom. He stood up to read. The scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it was written. Just what we read, guys. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he's anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners' recovery of sight for the blind to release the oppressed to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor then he rolled up the scroll gave it back to the attendant and sat down the eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him and he began by saying to them today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing of all the scriptures when he picked up the book of Isaiah, that, that scroll, when he read it, he could have read from Isaiah 53, which gives this beautiful picture that clearly speaks about a suffering servant. But he chose this particular chapter. And I believe the reason he chose it is he looked out, he saw hearts that were hurting. He saw people that were prisoners. He saw people that were bound up in their own struggles, their own addictions, their own pain, their own suffering. And he wanted to say, I will free you. I will provide freedom. As we read in his ministry, he says, the Son will set you free. You'll know the truth and, and, and the Son will set you free. I believe that was his message. That was his heart. And he chose that on purpose because as he looked out, he saw that people needed to be free. They were captive. It's still true today. People are still held captive. I looked up a list of common addictions. Uh, we think of people addicted to alcohol, people addicted to smoking, trying to quit. Of course, drug addiction, gambling. People lose everything to try to hit that big jackpot, get that money. Food addictions. We obsess about eating too much, eating too little. Sex addictions, uh, of course, pornography, work addictions, those who are workaholics. Then I ran across some that we don't think of so much as addictions, but they can control our lives. Shopping. There are those, I remember hearing uh, Steve and Annie Chapman, a great homecoming tape I, have, I love, I was listening to. And uh, Steve said, when Annie gets all upset, I tell her, just go shop like a bull. Charge it. But that idea, it can consume you, man. Look forward. I got to go buy this. I got to go buy that. Oh, yeah. Just take me that day to the mall or wherever to buy this stuff. Um, there's also exercise. Man, you know, I, I enjoy that as a pastime, but some people, you know, like six, seven hours a day of exercise. Oh, man. But they're just obsessed with that. Uh, tanning. You better have that timer set right when you lay in that tanning bed. You can go too far or get too dark. Uh, ice chewing. Oh, please don't do that. <sighs> tattoos. I read an article, uh, as I was looking at this under it, it said with tattoos, said, they're like potato chips. You can't have just one. People have this addiction. They end up with more than one tattoo and often a many. Uh, here's a strange one. People are addicted to eating dirt. Maybe there's something missing in the nutrients in your body, but... Um, Gaming, video games and addiction. And, and here's one many of us are guilty of. Internet and cell phones. But there's one that I want to look at this morning that I believe 
is the most common addiction among the people of God. Now, um, there are many, and, and you know the truth is we all have battles we face with, but I can't think of one more prevalent than the one I want to share this morning. It's called the addiction of worry. We have a God who is all-powerful, who loves us with an everlasting, unconditional love, who has promised to be with us at all times and to be our guide and our strength, and yet we're so often consumed by worry, unable to, to cope because of worry. Turn me to Hebrews chapter 4 uh, briefly, and then we're going to jump into Philippians, looking at our passage. I tell you, these, this, using a different Bible this morning, these skinny paper-like pages, I can't hardly get through here. Ephesians 4, verse 9. There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from his own work, just as God did from his. So the scripture says there's this rest that we may receive. And here's the thing. Look at verse 11. He says, Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will fall by following their example of disobedience. So not only does he tell us that there is this rest, this double rest, this rest that really refreshes us, he says, enter it. He commands us as a people of God to enter into his rest and thus to know his peace and to find the fulfillment that he wants to give to us. Now, back to Philippians 4 as we want to dig into our passage this morning that gives insight into receiving His peace, entering His rest. And I want to look at uh, this section of Scripture, and it's discussing worry. He says in verse 6, Do not be anxious about anything. He gives us a command here, Don't let worry, don't let anxiety consume you and be your master. The, the Latin word literally means to strangle or to choke. And you know, in the parable of the seed and the sower, it, it talks about the word being strangled out as the seed was sown in a place and it, it was strangled out. And, and so the picture here is that we're not to let circumstances and we're not to let conditions that paralyze us choke the life out of us choke the hope out of us choke God's promises from us and, and that's what we're going to look at this morning um, you know they say from medical conditions that stress has a terrible effect upon the body heart speeds up toxins enter the blood uh, the different organs begin to work harder and it has an, it has an impact upon our health Corey Tinboom, we saw this quote this morning as Cindy and I were looking on the internet. Worry does not empty today of its sorrow, it empties today of its strength. Isn't that true? Worry doesn't empty today of its sorrows, but 
the strength. Tomorrow of its sorrows, but today of its strength. And so I want to look at four words this morning as we talk about entering that rest, not being controlled by the worry. Rejoice, relax, pray, and practice. Let's start out with rejoice. Verse 4, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. First thing he tells us here, guys, <laughs> rejoice. Be filled with joy. I, I love in Nehemiah 8.6, it says, the, the joy of the Lord is my strength. There's power in joy. Just a couple observations here. Observation number one, don't wait for better circumstances to rejoice. Well, I'm going to start rejoicing once I get that raise. Or I'm going to start rejoicing once I lose 10 pounds. Or I'm going to start rejoicing once I knock my golf score down quite a bit lower. And, uh, you know, when that happens, those circumstances happen, that's when I'm going to rejoice. No, it's not conditional. Don't wait for the right time. It's always the right time to rejoice. Number two, uh, don't expect others to do this for you. It's something you have to do yourself. Matter of fact, when other people are doing it and you don't have a heart of joy, it's just downright annoying. You know, they're saying, you know, man, I am so blessed. Praise God. And, and when you got the bad attitude, it's just like, would you just shut up? I don't really want to hear that. The problem's not with the person who's rejoicing. It's with my heart. I'm missing the blessing. I'm missing what God's doing for me. I'm not seeing how blessed I am. <laughs> Third, don't think of joy as occasional. Well, I've got to get this out of the way. Time to let the joy flow so I can close it, close the valve. No. He says, rejoice. He says, I say it again. Rejoice. It, it needs to be a way of life. It needs to be what marks us. We need to be marked by joy, not look like we've been baptized in pickle juice. <laughs> you know? God wants joy to be a part of us. Um, I love it in Bob Benson. He wrote a little book years ago, and he talked about uh, he had cancer, and he, he talked about how hard it was when his kids grew up and left and how he missed them. And in this poem he wrote, it's called Laughter in the Walls. And he talked about, he said, God, I, I, I want it to be, now that the kids are gone, that I can just hear the laughter in the walls. What a powerful point. <laughs> I, I certainly don't want to be remembered as somebody that was just, oh, always burdened. Man, laughter's good stuff. Matter of fact, I read that it said the average child laughs 150 times a day, and the average adult laughs 15 times a day. Isn't that amazing? that kids laugh ten times more than we do. Maybe it's not so good to grow up. Maybe you just need to, to stay a kid and, and forget this stuff about growing up. And one comedian said, never suppress laughter because it will eventually go down and spread your hips. <laughs> so if you look around, you might see some anxious people. No, don't do that. Don't do that. Okay. All right. Second word. First word is rejoice. Second word is relax. Look at the text here. Verse 5. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. This word gentleness is difficult uh, to translate and explain. Let me use an example, an illustration. Say you're a teacher. I'll say fifth grade. I'm just picking a grade out of random. 
And there are two boys in there who have equal intelligence. But one has a 95 grade point average and the other has a 72. Well, it's easy to look at the one who's got the 95 and say, that's just a, that kid's better disciplined. He's going further in life. Um, and, and, and to prefer that child because he's doing better. But if you step back and you look at the circumstances, you see that the kid who has the 95 average has a lot of support at home. He goes home. He's got parents that do the homework with him. He's got parents that support him, that encourage him, that build him up. And then you look at the kid that's got 72 average. He's fighting with his brothers and sisters. He's with this parent this weekend, another parent different weekend. It's chaos. Um, there's fighting. There's arguing. Uh, there's other circumstances going on in the home. Um, cause pain. And, and so when you step back and you look at the situation and you look at the condition and you look at the environment, you don't see that kid the same way. You, there's a gentleness that, that comes through your life. There, there's a heart for that kid. And, and you say, you know, that, that, that kid needs my love. That kid needs my support. That, that kid needs me to be sensitive. That, that's the picture here. Guys, that's to mark us as, as, as God's people. It, it, instead of worrying about our circumstances, we need to stop. We need to look. And we need to see. We need to see what people are facing. We need to look at where they are. And we need to love them. And, and the Lord's near. And, and to communicate that through our lives, that kind of gentleness and that reminder that the Lord is near. I do want to throw in here, secondly, sometimes we let circumstances crowd out our joy too and, and deepen worry. And I read an example in regard to that. A guy named Arthur Rank, he decided... He was only going to worry one day a week. <laughs> he chose Wednesdays, by the way. So <laughs> Arthur had a worry box. He would write down all his worries, and he'd put them in his worry box, and every Wednesday he would open the worry box and read them. And he was amazed to find that often those circumstances had been taken care of by Wednesday. He didn't have to worry about them anymore. He just marked them through and saw how... God had just worked to take care of those worries <laughs> with his worry box. What a what a great what a great truth. Many times those things we worry about happening never happen. Or many times they have a way of settling themselves without our interference or trying to fix them to trust God. All right, third word here, prayer. Notice the text. He, he says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. It says, Instead of worrying, have a talk with your God. He knows where you are. Come to Him with a heart that sees His blessings. Thankful heart. <laughs> Say, God, here I am, Lord. You know where I am, God. I need you to intervene. I need you to get me out of this mess because I'm in trouble. You know? Just to be honest before. And I love that about the Psalms too. God, people are honest to these songwriters. And, 
in the Psalms. And you can do that. You can come before God. You can be honest, not to be consumed with worry over it, but just to talk to Him. Bring it to Him in prayer um, instead of worry. I mean, we're bad to worry. Uh, I heard about a, 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 a businessman who was bad to worry. He decided he was going to hire somebody to worry for him. So he hired this guy, paid him $50,000 a month to worry for him. Well, his friend came up to the business guy and he said, I don't get it. $50,000 a month. I mean, I know you make good money, but I don't see how you can afford to pay him $50,000 a month. How are you going to pay him $50,000 a month? He said, I don't know. That's for him to worry about. <laughs> We're not to worry. We're to bring it to God. Psalm 55:22 says, Cast your cares on the Lord, and He will sustain you. He will never let the righteous be shaken. It's a picture of a backpack that's weighing you down and taking that backpack off and placing it on the ground to take that burden off. The, the picture here is that God comes and, and, and He supernaturally lifts that burden. And that brings us back to our text here, verse 7. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. It's not positive thinking. It's, it's not some plan to in, increase your self-esteem. It is the supernatural working of God providing His supernatural peace to guard our hearts and our minds in Him. One last word. The word is practice in verses 8 and 9. Uh, you drop down to verse 9, uh, Paul's, you know, not many could say this, but he, it wasn't that he was bragging, he was just being honest. Uh, he says, what you've learned or received, heard from me, seen in me, put in practice. He says, I, you know, I've lived for Jesus and, and you've seen it. He says, and the God of peace will be with you. And then you go back up to verse 8, and he tells us what we are to fill our minds with. Not with worry, but look what we're to fill our minds with, verse 8. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, you know, it, is it true? Is it valid? Is it reliable? Whatever is noble. <laughs> In other words, a uh, is it worthy of respect? Not flippant, not cheap. Whatever's right, God's standard, His truth. Whatever's pure, uh, is it holy? Is it chaste? Is it set aside for Him? Whatever is lovely, uh, winsome, agreeable, uh, uh, whatever is admirable, is it praiseworthy, attractive, fit for God to hear? This is what you're to set your mind upon. That, that's, that's where you you think is there. I want to close with an example, but before I do, beautiful scripture I want to share with you. It's from Isaiah 26, 3 and 4. And years ago I memorized it in the King James Version because I just, I loved that particular translation of it. Beautiful scripture. It says, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. Trust ye in the Lord forever. For in the Lord Jehovah is everlasting strength. Beautiful picture there. 
He's basically saying, put your mind, put your thoughts upon me. When your thoughts are upon me, there is a confident hope there. There is a peace there that you can count on because you're trusting in me. And then he says, do that forever. Trust in the Lord forever because it's in the Lord Jehovah, everlasting strength. Now, I close with this example. Um, matter of fact, I'll just read it. I, I thought about sharing it, but this is from Carol Mayhall in today's Christian Woman magazine from uh, last year. She says, I squirmed a bit as I forced myself to listen to my friend cataloging her problems. After three hours, I interrupted her gently to ask, if you were to draw a circle to represent your life, what would be in the center? She thought for a moment, then said, my problems. My friend spoke the truth. A week later, I sat across the hospital bed on which lay my younger sister, Joy, who had been diagnosed with acute leukemia. Gray and perspiring, with a swath of bandages encasing her throat from a biopsy, Joy talked to a student nurse who was interviewing terminally ill people to see if there was any way she could help them. Oh, I'm a bit fearful of the pain and the process of dying, but I'm not afraid of death. It'll just be a change of residence for me. I heard my sister, her face radiant from within, say this to the student nurse. And for 45 minutes, Joy explained the good news of Jesus Christ to the student nurse. Afterward, I thought, both my friend and sister have serious problems. Yet one's walking in despair, the other in joy. What was the difference in their state of mind? Then I realized what it was. My friend's heart was occupied with her problems. My sister's heart was occupied with the living God. Let's pray. Lord, uh, guilty is charged. At some point we've all struggled with this addiction, Lord. But you have promised to be the emancipator, the one who sets us free, Lord. And the truth is, without you, there's plenty to worry about, Lord. No hope. Separated from you for eternity. Destined to be judged for our sins. Headed to a place that's described as a place of constant burning and suffering. No direction. No comfort. No confidence. Basically, it just stinks, Lord. But by trusting in Jesus Christ and His finished work at Calvary and by receiving the new life that is in Jesus alone, there's hope. And uh, Father, I just pray here, Lord, uh, that You, O oh great God, would speak to those here this morning. I hope You already have, Lord. Um, we don't need to be marked by worry. It's not about our problems. It's about our God. And I pray this morning that you would lift that backpack of burden. And may Jesus be seen. Bring those to the altar that need to come and lay the burden down, Lord, and to pray. Maybe one here who it's time to trust Jesus Christ for salvation, for forgiveness, for a new start. You've always seen him as a as a God afar off, but he's a God who's come close and Maybe you need to trust Him and find His mercy. 
Lord, maybe there's someone here who, this is home, this is the place to serve you, the church to join, the place to be. Maybe this is the time to come forward and to say, this is where I want to be. I want to join this church. I want to be a part of this family. I, I want you, Lord, to be glorified in my life. I, I bring that one down, Lord. Whatever you're up to, we just want you to work, Lord. Meet us in a familiar place, God. We love you, and we're counting on you, Father, in this time we call invitation. In your name we pray. Amen.